As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome in to another episode of Turn the Corner, a Detroit Tigers podcast. I am Kieran Steckley. With me, as always, is a man who is the most qualified person on the planet to answer this question. Can you take me higher? He is Cody Stavenhagen. How you doing? Doing good, Kieran. I'm glad to be back. Glad to be talking some baseball. I was. We were away for a variety of reasons. Uh, a little off-season break. I covered the entire playoffs with the Texas Rangers, and there's your reference. I heard the Creed song higher way too many times. It was a great experience. Every part of the playoffs was great except the Creed. Um, so it was like, you know, the, the Rangers were ironically into it, and I guess people caught on. Man, I'm so sick of hearing Creed. Um, hopefully that this is the last time I think about it for a while. <laughs> you never in your life thought you're gonna hear that much creed and such. A definitely short not in the year 2023. Uh, it was awesome for me. <laughs> it's true. It was awesome for me that you got to cover the Rangers because we got to hang out uh, a lot, including a little pre uh, pre World Series party over at Texas Live right by the stadium. In fact, we even got to go back to our college days a little bit. In addition to some you know weekday uh, brews, one or two. We got to go back to our college days a little bit, play a little intramural sports, play uh, play some softball, and I, I say this with respect to every other Tigers podcast. I'm pretty sure we are the only Tigers podcast where one host walks off hit driving in the other host. I, I I'm pretty sure in, in a be. softball game. Gotta I'm pretty be. sure we're the only ones to do that. Cody Cody was a ringer for us, and he had the walk off hit. I scored from first. And, uh, and it was awesome. It was, a, it was a great time. Took me back to, you know, the glory days, if you would. So, uh, so I thoroughly enjoyed the, the Rangers uh, going all the way uh, and winning a championship. Good for those Rangers fans. You could tell that they, uh, they really longed for it. The parade was, you know, crazy. And uh, I can only imagine what would happen over in the streets of downtown Detroit should the Tigers, or any Detroit franchise for that matter, it's been a little bit of a drought. Um, have themselves a uh, a championship parade. So, 
let's uh let's go through some topical things here, Cody. Uh, we have some roster moves. We'll get to those in a second. But I wanted to start out with uh, something that's really I don't know. I couldn't when it happened. I couldn't tell if I was surprised or not. And that's and that that's just kind of me racking through my brain. So. Spencer Torkelson is named Tiger of the Year by the Detroit chapter of the Baseball Writers Association of America. And some beat writers said that he wasn't their top choice, and I'm not sure exactly how many members are in this club. Obviously, I know you are part of it. people voted uh, on it. It seemed like... Uh, whatever, there are like five people who actually cover the team day-to-day, so that tells you a little bit right there. But. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you this. My first impression was it seemed a little topical to me. It's like, all right, well, you know, Spencer was there, you know, almost every day. You know, he didn't miss really any time. And he had – that was one of the storylines of the season is like, couldn't he get to 30 home runs? And, and he did. And the, the struggles from last year, it's a little bit of a redemption story from what it was a disastrous rookie season – I know Tiger of the Year doesn't necessarily mean best player. I'm not sure what criteria you guys are, you know, going or going on there when you vote. But it, it Tiger of the Year to me should be like the best player. I'm not sure he was the best player, but it felt like sort of like an easy breezy thing to do. You make the guy who hit 30 home runs. He was a former number one overall pick, the Tiger of the Year. And uh, my gut tells me, Cody, you did not vote for him to be Tiger of the Year. <laughs> No, I didn't. Um, I have a lot of thoughts on this, all right? As I did last year, Riley Green won the award despite barely playing half the season. Uh, I think Riley Green's a great player. I don't think he should have been Tiger of the year last year. Twerk, I thought, had a very nice year, did a lot of positive things, but I did not vote for him. My ballot was Eduardo Rodriguez, one, Kerry Carpenter, two, I'll just explain my thought process. I guess I did view it more from a most valuable player lens. If there's a different criteria that should be considered, that should probably be spelled out in the voting process. It is not. There is no criteria at all listed. Um, So I get, you know, some people probably want to be more of like an organizational guy, not a guy like Erod who's probably going to opt out and be a pending free agent and all that. So Torque is that, but numbers-wise. All right, he had some good counting stats, 31 bombs. I think he set a great foundation for what could be a really good 2024. But the facts are that he was far from the most valuable player on this team. Let's just look at wins above replacement, which literally, how many wins are you bringing to your team compared to a replacement level player? Spencer Torkelson at first base, which is an offensive heavy position, was worth 0.8 war on baseball reference, which ranked seventh on the Tigers. He was ranked he was worth 1.4 war via fangraphs calculation, which was sixth on the Tigers. So there are five or six guys worth more to the team than Torkelson. As great as he was offensively, uh power wise, he had two thirty-three. So a lot of this feels like an older school criteria. Well batting average, older school stat, he was not very good. One base percentage is really why he's getting knocked in terms of war and WRC plus 313, uh, 107 WRC plus, which meant he was 7% better than the league average hitter. So good offensive year, far from a great offensive year, was not the best on the team. Kerry Carpenter, 
far outpaced him in terms of offensive performance relative to league average. That's doesn't even take us to defense where Torkelson based on defensive run saved had the worst defensive first base season by a first baseman since the year of our Lord 2017 torque. I think he can get better. I think he's a, a, a good athlete. He's a little clumsy in the field. He was putrid with the glove. Despite all the throws from Javi Baez, he scooped. That's how bad he was on batted balls. His scoops did him no favors in terms of the analytics because he was really, really bad in the field. So Erod, by most calculations, he, he despite missing a month, he led the team in innings over 150, led the team in B-War, second in F-War. If you had to pick an offensive player based on objective stats that say how good a dude was, I would go Kerry Carpenter. Who's also a fixture and a part of this this uh, organization in the long term. I think there's maybe a little bit of recency bias, and that Carpenter had a really rough September, and Torkelson really came on in August, September. I think that may have played into it with some voters. Um, so I don't know. Like, congrats to Torkel on the award. I'm really excited to see him play in 2024. I disagree with the decision. Yeah, uh, I think. Here's an analogy I'll draw for it. Anybody that's on X, formerly known as Twitter, every, I don't know, couple weeks, someone will post uh, Jason Williams' white chocolate highlights and be like, man, this guy was so good. And it's like, you know, it looks, and the plays are amazing. He really wasn't that great an NBA player. Like, he he was below average, I would say, right? He was. And yes. as much as, as fun the highlights were. And Torque was the highlight guy this year for the Tigers. Because, again, the home runs and and the scoops and and those are the those are the plays that people are going to remember most they're not gonna you're not gonna remember him misplaying like a ball in, in, in foul territory that should have been an out you know what i mean they're not going to necessarily remember like the hand you know whether his hands were good on ground balls but they're going to remember the flashy plays and he was kind of a he was kind of the flashy guy for the team this year uh it that's why i say it was kind of a topical thing for the Tigers and and hell, like I, I was like, who do you who would I have voted for? I really like Harry Carpenter. I think that would have been. I think that's a shrewd guy to put up there. I you would have to say that Eduardo Rodriguez is deserving uh, of the honor. There's there's no disputing that, despite you know the optics of uh, knowing that he was going to opt out, and obviously he already has. We'll talk about him in a second. Uh, I could even get around to like giving it to Miguel as like a farewell thing. Like I, I, I could, I wouldn't do it, but I could get talked into it um, because of, of the Mac, like who was the tiger? If you want to say who was the tiger of the year, who was the tiger of the year? Everyone was talking about Miguel Cabrera. Like that could be another honor. So again, I wouldn't do it, but it's one of those things I could see happening because Sometimes people just look for the story when they're making votes like this. We see this in other sports, MVP, league, you know, all that stuff. Manager of the year, you know, that kind of thing. So uh, I'm just saying that could have played a part in it. But let, let's go ahead and get to Erod because that was the big news. Uh, as expected, he opted out. I think I was at a tailgate in Stillwater before the Bedlam game when this news dropped. Uh, so... Wasn't at all surprised. We all talked about it. This was the move he had to do. I think I want to get I want to get that out of the way first. Actually, from a pure earnings perspective, this was the play for Eduardo Rodriguez. No matter how much he loved AJ or Detroit or Birmingham or Harris or you know playing in that ballpark or whatever, this was a hundred percent the play. 
So I don't fault him for that. They, he had it in his contract. It's his right. Like, this is 100% the play for him. And we talked about after he nixed the trade that, like, you know, he loves Detroit. You know, are you actually going to stand on that? We knew he wasn't, but in the moment we were like, all right, bro, we'll approve it. To me, this was <laughs> this was Scott Harris uh getting in his bag a little bit when he was talking about it because he basically admitted we didn't really do a whole lot of negotiations he kind of viewed him as a 49 million dollar player because that's what his contract he was due for the next three years and he was like you know cool like i don't think he tried to sell him on anything i don't think he tried to uh talk him uh, talk him into some sort of like short contract or whatever i think scott harris was like all right bye felicia and I think that I think I think that was uh that was a that was pretty telling a, a little bit. Uh, as far as Erod, he was three point five eight ERA in his two years in Detroit, uh, with some notable absences in there. I would say he's thirty years old, and 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 I'll classify him this way. I was thinking about this. I think him coming to Detroit and having the money that he that he was signed for. I know he's opted out of his contract, but the money he signed for, and the role he was given. I think he's worthy of the contract he's going to get, which I think the athletic projects like what five for, uh, five for five round. Uh, is it eighty? Hundred, I think. We should uh, yeah, we should so, get our producer uh, on that. Five for eighty, five. Yeah, yeah, five for eighty, five for ninety. I think he's worthy of that contract just in general. Yeah, but I think he's out out of his element as leader of the clubhouse pitching staff wise. And I think that proved itself out over in several different instances over the past two years. And I think he will go on to continue to be a successful pitcher, but he's going to be more comfortable not being the face of an organization. So worthy of the money, not suited for the role, is how I classify the Eduardo Rodriguez era in Detroit. Yeah, a lot to unpack with the whole year odd situation. Uh fact checking the athletic people way smarter than me at the athletic do indeed have him pegged for uh five years 80 million dollars so and i think that's maybe the floor of what he can get like i think there's a, a good chance the guy gets paid but again scott harris pretty polished guy pretty precise with his words you look at his comments uh about eduardo rodriguez for from gm meetings and Pretty clear for once. He didn't mind if you read between the lines a little bit. All right. He said the right things. He said what he has to say because he can't really comment on free agents. Definitely can't say anything that could uh, be perceived as dinging a player's value. Otherwise, he'd be looking at a grievance from the players union. But Scott more or less was like, yeah, we didn't have much interest in bringing him back. And we still don't. He didn't say that, but he said it without saying it. Um. You know, I've got some insight into some of the behind-the-scenes stuff. There's probably way more. Like, there was a lot of drama from the day Eduardo signed. And if you've listened to us, uh, you probably know it. All right, Eduardo's introduction to the team in spring training was not very good from a personal perspective, both with the media, both with other team employees. And the saving grace would always, was always that he was a really good pitcher. All right, well, given that, can't, can't dispute it. Uh, there's a report, a report from John Morosi that the Tigers had maintained interest in trying to restructure Eduardo's contract. That report came out the day before the opt-out deadline. Um, I like John Morosi a lot, but 
the report was just kind of not true based on people I've talked to, everything I understand. The Tigers, there was maybe some numbers floated from Motto's camp, like Gene Motto, Eduardo's agent. There were no real discussions. They were never close. And bearing an extreme change of events, Eduardo, like the Tigers are not going to circle back to Eduardo Rodriguez. I think there were some bridges burnt. Um, largely given what happened at the trade deadline. I think some of that probably on Eduardo, the way type of guy he is. A lot of it has to do with his agent too, which we've been talking about since his absence last summer, like how poorly I always felt that was handled from Eduardo's camp. I felt like he should have had people looking out for him, messaging that a little better to provide some level of clarity as to why this guy was going AWOL from the team. And his agent and other people who might work with him did not do a good job of that. And now here we are. It is a reminder that in this industry, what ultimately matters is performance. Because I don't think this guy's representation has been very good. And yet he's still opting out because he's going to go get a bigger bag somewhere else. So uh, a little bit funny how that works. I hope to see the Tigers replace him with a quality arm in the rotation. I don't know if that's going to happen in terms of comparable money. Um, I definitely understand why the Tigers moved on. I think given some of the behind the scenes stuff, the clubhouse factor, I think it's probably best. I think it was time to move on from Eduardo Rodriguez, but now you're left with a pretty big void in your rotation. That is uh, now that Mark can is a tiger off season. Priority number one is, is finding pitching and finding a, uh, at least one proven start. Speaking of leaks and sources and all that stuff, I, of course, it was hilarious. And I forget who got the sources said, um, so I apologize for not giving them credit. But it was like, there's no geographical restriction yeah. for Eduardo Rodriguez well, and free agency. Okay. So, you know, which, again, no, so, I, I, I like John did say, a lot. Like, it's Very fair. nice guy. That was John. And given what we know about okay. the previous report, where, where do you think said information might be coming from? No, just... Not gonna say it, but I think we all know like, what who, who benefits, benefits from, from the leak. You got, oh, always, always ask yourself that question, and it usually becomes pretty clear. And in fairness, a change in the off season, a change like during the season, I you, you can sell me on that being different. I don't think it would have been, it should have been that big a deal just in general. Uh, but I, I do want to say this: I want to give Scott Harris credit here. Because what the, the conversation that we were having and everybody was having immediately after the trade deadline was, well, now you have to resign him. Now you have to do this. Now you got to throw it back because then you're going to lose him. You know, he's going to walk for nothing. And I, I was saying, and I, I don't, I'm not saying I was the only one, but I don't think a lot of people were saying this. It's like, no, like you don't double down on, on a mishap. I don't want to call it a mistake, mm-hmm. but you like, you, you don't double down on a mishap by making, one problem making a worse mistake a bigger problem a longer problem and so scott it, it seemed he seemed pretty adamant that he was cool with just kind of like wiping his hands of the situation and that's why i kind of say he's in his bag a little bit because now he now he's got more opportunity to shape the roster in his image whereas if eduardo rodriguez had opted in i'm sure he would have been cool with it you know player performance wise but now he's got a whole additional arsenal of options so i want to give him credit for not uh, overcompensating a mishap by making it an, an even bigger mishap. Yeah, uh, a lot more thoughts there. Like the whole West Coast thing. Again, an important thing to do that I don't think enough people do often enough is put yourself in the agent's perspective. 
Eduardo's agent should be telling teams, oh no, there's no restrictions for my client. Doesn't mean it's true. If I'm Eduardo, if I'm negotiating on behalf of Eduardo Rodriguez, I'm trying to leverage the Dodgers for every penny I can get. And then if my client really is happier on the East Coast, I'm taking that offer to the Red Sox or the Marlins or whoever he might sign with. And I'm saying, hey, give us this minimum. They give it to you. Oh, boom. And then at the press conference, you say, oh, yeah, we really had no restrictions, but this was good for my family. And, uh, and you know, we appreciate this organization for giving me the money, basically. Um, so I'm sure, like, Eduardo is technically negotiating with no restrictions. But also, if I were a West Coast team, I would be wary of uh, – I would either, A, have a really good sales pitch for why your family's going to like it here, or I would be really wary of spending too much time on it. Another little nugget – I can't say the names because it's not a thousand percent nailed down. Obviously, it was bad that the Tigers did not get anything in return for Eduardo at the trade deadline. But I'm starting to get a little more understanding of the package that was on the table. And if it's what I think it was, unfortunately, maybe not as like high caliber of talent as we were led to believe. Um, which almost reinforces the Scott Harris point that the market just wasn't very good or is very difficult for him. So that's neither here nor there, but it's uh, there's so much that happened with Eduardo in our like less than 24 months with him, and um, probably best for everyone that we're just moving on here. Uh, two things: one, West Coast tax would be real, I'm sure. That's another leverage point for the uh, uh, for the agent. Is that like, look, if you're gonna want him to come here, then you know it's gonna have to be a little bit more incentive, and. And the second point is, is this not like the perfect encapsulation metaphors for like the transition from Al Avila to Scott Harris? Like, like there's obviously the, the other news that's not really news is that Javi Baez uh, did not uh, yeah. out. Uh, shocker there. But in terms of like a lot of remnants from the things that just made the Avila era unspectacular kind of wild kind of strange was this whole eduardo thing playing out the way that it did you know and like we all liked the move at the time and he was a good player it just was not it just didn't work out for various reasons in terms of uh, eduardo the i don't want to say eduardo the guy but all the things that came into eduardo being your ace played itself out to where to prove that he is not an ace in alabella probably not a you know, number one in the front office either. So there's a lot, there's a lot of metaphors to be had there. So uh, that's why I say I think Scott Harris kind of watching his hands and having more opportunity to shape the roster in his uh, in his liking. Which, speaking of, you just mentioned him a couple minutes ago. Mark Canna getting traded to, from the Brewers to the Tigers. Uh, <laughs> when the trade happened, my first thought was, so wait, 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 you're telling me that Scott Harris trade for a player that dominates the strike zone and has some sort of, you know, a little bit on the low end, but some sort of positional versatility and comes at no cost long-term. Shocked. Shocking. Sounds like but a those Scott are, Harris those player <laughs> if I've ever heard of one. <laughs> but, those are, but those moves have worked out for him, so this is not a criticism. It's just like, and talk about a guy just being himself every single time we get an opportunity to, to think of, you know, t- 
talk about the things that he does. He nails it. And this is another move that uh, is not objectionable in any way, you know, and it, it seems like it will make the team better. So what are your thoughts on the trade? Yeah, I, I believe it or not, like, I think this trade didn't get like a positive enough reception. I think it's a real, like, I think this is a pretty good acquisition. Uh, Mark Canna, although they got him for essentially nothing, you know, Blake Hall of a, a okay pitching prospect. Um, he wasn't a waiver claim. Like, like Mark Canna is a legit big leaguer. Ranks 16th in one base percentage among all players since 2019. Like, had a killer 2019. Um, wasn't a little bit maybe down last year. Still had a 355 OBP, 108 OPS plus, higher than that of Tiger of the Year, Spencer Torkelson. Um, <laughs> yeah, good plate approach. Like, seems like a, seems like a number one, a fun guy. He has like his food Instagram account. Seems like a, a type of guy who will be big in the clubhouse, which is, you know, we talk all, all, all this about numbers and facts and analytics, and it is like, one of my takeaways from covering the playoffs and being around the Rangers was like kind of a throwback to like, oh, this, maybe this chemistry thing and leadership really does matter. You could you could sense that around the Rangers. Um, and you can sense that lacking around the Tigers a little bit the past couple of years. So I think this whole like narrative about the off-field value, I don't know if everyone buys it, but I think there's I think there's some truth to it. Um, I think Kane is gonna be a good player. I think he's like a um, he's not a switch hitter, but imagine him as like a better fire version of Robbie Grossman is what he reminds me of as a player. And although Robbie was trash for the Tigers in, in 2022, Robbie Grossman was terrific for the Tigers in 2021. So if that's the minimum of what you're getting here. That's pretty good. Um, yeah, I think Ken was a nice acquisition. I think the Tigers, you know, I wrote literally the day before this trade, I was kind of back settled in from the playoffs I started just kind of writing out the roster, like literally drew out a diamond and like had the bench. And I was like, all right, what do they really need? And the thing that became apparent was like, they need a right-handed outfield bat. And the next day they traded for one and they traded for a pretty good one. So I think, I think it's a solid, solid move. Obviously I don't think this is the move that puts the Tigers over the top or takes them to the playoffs. He's a free agent after this year, but in a vacuum, I, I almost think this move should be hyped up a little more than it has been. Well, you know, it's funny because we were also reading that the uh, the Brewers were kind of open for business, and and here Scott comes in and and makes a a low cost trade is I is I think uh, a good way to put it, and a guy who fill like I said fills a need. We've talked about right handed outfield bats for a long time now, and uh, and again he can play a little first base. I think there's. Uh, as this relates, you know, bring back Torkelson for a second. Uh, I wonder how AJ is going to kind of manage the DH spot, how he's going to manage first base a little bit. Uh, is is Torque's defense so poor that you start spelling him at first base a little bit more? Uh, and 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 and, and Canna can contribute to that. You know who else could contribute to that if they wanted them to? Gary Carpenter. We've been saying it for a while, so I Gary just wanted Carpenter. to say it again. <laughs> Justin Henry Malloy who also hasn't played. So I'm starting to play this guy at first base now. Anyway. Yeah, so the, the first base rotation That's... is actually an underrated plot line that I'm looking forward to seeing how AJ handles. Because I don't think, I don't think, I mean, Torque's going to be in the lineup, 
But I don't know how, like, you might spell him at first base a little bit more, uh, depending on maybe matchups yeah. and things like that. We, I, I'm not going to try to get us two side tricks. We've got a lot of other newsy topics to hit on and things we got to catch up on from the past month. It seems pretty clear that AJ Hinch and Scott Harris want to rotate this DH thing around, you know, slide different guys in there. Some days it'll be torque. Maybe some days get Riley Green off his feet, you know, Kerry Carpenter, Malloy, whoever, Canna. Um, I was talking with someone the other day and was like, that plan sounds good, but the more I think, what if you just went and got J.D. Martinez or Mitch Garver, and you're like, this guy's our DH. How much better would that make your lineup? If you actually wanted to win next year, you could make that signing, and I don't think you mortgage anything for the future. I don't think that's what the Tigers are going to do. But that might be like a later offseason pod topic. Why not just go get a freaking guy who can rake at DH? I don't think that's – instead it's going to be this revolving door, guys. Well, you know, AJ AJ's been waiting a long time in order to have some uh, options at his disposal. He's so excited about this. He's not giving that up for J.D. Martinez at this point in his career. A little perspective, again, on the first base thing. Torque played 159 games last year, which, by the way, He does deserve a lot of credit for that, yeah. That's uh, that's something. uh, You know, credit to him. Only five DH times, though. Mm -hmm. So 154 games in the field. Uh, I imagine that number is going to be lower for I think, reasons yes. that we uh, that we just discussed. And I'm glad you brought up Riley Green too because that's that's going to be we talk about the versatility, but you know what's going to inhibit that for a certain part of the season is going to be Riley Green not being able to be in the field. Uh, you know, depending on surgery timeline, we're not going to get any updates on him on that. But like whatever his rehab and like all that stuff, if he's gonna be in the in, in the lineup to begin with, he's gonna you know be. A That's DH. actually well, yeah. It's I mean it's his non-throwing arm, so in theory he can he can throw and stuff, but yeah. But just in terms of like comfortability out there and all that stuff, and especially like the way he plays, like they're gonna eat. This is gonna be an ease in process, uh, I think. Um, so that that'll be that'll be something to watch for. And does this move? Put like who 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 gets on notice with this move? I guess would be the question. Is it as simple as Akil Badu because Scott was asked about it and he gave you know a classic little Scott question or quote about Akil? Nothing nothing crazy, but basically like you know he's a guy that you know, he's a young player that we want to see get better. We're not giving up on Akil Badu. I, I'm paraphrasing. I'm not trying to quote or anything. Yeah. Uh, but the, this is a, this becomes a big off season for Akil. Uh, to the extent in which spring training performance matters, this is a big spring training for Akil. He's going to have to find a way to outperform a couple guys now, um, which I guess we should give him credit for has always been the case for him. Even from you know, when he was uh, a Rule 5 draft pick, he performed his, himself onto the roster, and then he had to scratch his way back uh, after Kerry Carpenter. By the way, how, I've said this a million times. How silly is that debate seem now? Uh, Carey or Akil? Yep. So now Parker Meadows. Yep. Parker yep. Meadows is in the conversation. We still don't know exactly how the Austin thing is going to play out. So I'm not saying these are all great options, but the outfield is looking a lot more crowded than it was uh, two months ago in terms of how, how it's going to be configured. Yeah, I think, unfortunately... 
there's I don't think it really matters how Akil Badu plays in spring training. The chances of him making the opening day roster bearing an injury to one of these players are almost zero. I guess one thing we've all kind of written in Parker Meadows as a slam dunk already. And it's clear again, I mean he's a great fielder, great base runner. Guy he did some nice things at the plate, but he also struggled pretty mightily at the plate. If maybe Meadows is just putrid next spring and they're like, oh, let's let's you know, give him a month or two in AAA. That would maybe be Akil's like one path to the roster. I think it's pretty clear the Tigers are going to explore. He's a name who's going to be thrown around um, in trade discussions this offseason. Now it's worth noting, like Akil still has options. So if I like worst case scenario, the Tigers are stashing a guy with speed and and uh, occasionally he flashes some power. Like a, a, a not a bad guy at all to have in AAA for another year. Um, given the rate right players get hurt, there's a chance Akil Badu does end up playing a lot of games for this team. I think it's more likely he ends up involved in a trade. But again, it's not like it's not like you have to DFA Akil. Like you can keep this guy in Toledo and you feel pretty dang good about that. I'm not really sh- uh, like I'm not really in a rush to DFA Akil Badu in any fashion because not if, if you, you don't look have at to. yeah. Well, uh, I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at. The, just the general top 30 prospects list. Outfield-wise, it's a lot of really young dudes. Uh, slash, like, whatever you figured, J-Hen. Uh, but, like, there, there's... It's not like you got a lot of, like... Like, Ma- like Max Clark is, like, pound, you know, pounding on the door to get into the major leagues or anything like that from an outfield perspective. So... Some of the... Justice and, and Bigby, baby, let's go. I don't want to say closing the door. You never close the door... Well, that's what I was gonna say. That that's that's kind of your only. Is am I wrong to say this? Is this kind of your only outfield prospect that is kind of approaching the door a little bit? Uh, like in terms of just like twenty twenty four, like there's a lot of guys that you know are still like a, a ways away. And again, however you configure Jay Hen, and it looks like they're not gonna yeah. do anything. Yeah, that's with a good point. Like. Wise. Yeah, that, no, that's actually a good point. Like, maybe a rationale for not trading Akil, because he probably will need a little depth. And, yeah, the the alternative is, is you go get some guy on a miners deal, some, uh, already forgot the name, like, who's the center fielder they brought in in spring training last year? I don't even remember the guy's uh, name. The good, Davis, good defensive player. Jo- Jonathan uh, Davis. Jonathan Davis, yeah. Like, your alternative is, like, going and getting a Jonathan Davis type who... I don't know, at least Akil, there's a little more upside there. Even though, like, I think we've seen, sometimes we forget how young Akil is, the Rule 5 thing. Like, I think we've seen enough to, like, have a pretty good idea of the type of player he is. And it's it's probably not the guy, you know, probably not the all-star talent or whatever. But you could, at the same time, you could do worse than Akil. And that's, you know, that's that's how I feel that. And that's, that's also classic. why I think he'll have some trade value. I think other yeah. teams would be happy to have him in their organization. It's a and he has a left-handed bat, so that lose, works against him yeah. because they're all these left-handed bats. But. Don't lose an asset if you don't have to is kind of is kind of how I view it. And he's a, definitely an asset to the organization because if, if he's not in, your depth is looking really thin outfield-wise. Uh, at, at the top of, of the minor leagues. And um, we can also say, well, let's, let, me, let me actually shift focus to this here. We talked about pitching a little bit. 
talk about lefties. Tyler Alexander is no longer a member of the Tigers organization. He was DFA'd and claimed on waivers by the Tampa Bay Rays. So uh, we've oh, the the running gag among all so baseball be teams. Not, or all-star yeah, yeah, is that you don't want your pitching prospect or pitcher to uh, to go to Tampa Bay and make you look terrible. Uh, and Alexander <laughs> will will be next on that list. Uh, it's one of those things where it's like, well, we didn't need him, but apparently Tampa Bay did. So what did we miss? Uh, but it, it does leave. There's a couple. Southpaw voids Cody in the pitching staff right now, and uh, Tyler Alexander for uh, as a guy who was instrumental in terms of like the role he could play on a pitching staff. He seemed like a good guy, good to have around the clubhouse, good to have uh, on the on the staff, and uh, he is not easily replaceable. And that's going to be another way where Scott Harris is going to have to get creative. Unless Joey Wentz and his 6.9 ERA are, uh, you know, are, is going to have to step up in a big way, and I'm not sure as much as I think Joey Wentz has is still capable of being a good major league pitcher. I'm not saying I'm necessarily comfortable going into next season with that, like banking on that. No, and I think I think Joey Wentz has light years better stuff than Tyler Alexander, but. He's going to have to figure out how to control the baseball, which he could not do at all last year. I'm looking at this right now, trying to be like, all right, what did the Rays like about Alexander? And Tyler, he was pretty bad last year, but he outperforms his expected stats significantly. I was a little surprised the Rays liked him because he's not a high strikeout guy. Um, missing bats seems to be a big Rays thing, but his strikeout rate strike was the highest guy. of his career last year, 24.3%. Yeah, and but he is very low walk, which leads to predictable results, which leads to like um, there's a good chance he meets his expect he replicates his expected stats and maybe actually meets them next year. I would have to think that's the main thing Tampa liked. Maybe they saw something deeper in his arsenal or usage that they think they can tweak. There's some things about Tyler that is like he, he doesn't really seem like a raised pitcher to me. But then just looking, you don't have to look very deep statistically to be like, oh, actually a little bit surprised that the Rays liked this and the Tigers didn't. Um, you know, and the, the lefty who can give you multiple innings is obviously huge. At the same time, Tyler Alexander, he'd been around for a while. Like, I don't – he'll be an all-star with the Rays, but I, I don't think he was ever going to be an all-star with the Tigers. So I don't know. Like, I think it was kind of time. <laughs> uh, obviously he'd been riddled with injuries and, and, you know, surgery and stuff. And that's unfortunate, but yeah. Anytime the Rays pick up anyone, it makes you nervous. Yeah. And again, this is another, he's an, another one of those moves where Scott's shaping everything in his image. And in theory with the, the coaching staff infrastructure that you have in place, you ought to be able to uh, replace his innings, his production, and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully he has a, a nice little all-star season with the Rays. He he was a guy that I had given up on, honestly, because I remember talking to you in 2019. I was like, Alexander, yeah. like, you know, like, what are we doing here, you know? And then he, and, and he found himself a role. So all the credit uh, in the world to him. Uh, let's see, what else do we got here? For any, for any of like the, the, I think there's a sect of like 
people who like Alexander just I think he's a familiar name and face like as a player. I like him as a guy. Shoot, great clubhouse guy. Um, that, that'll actually be a little bit tough to replace. 4-3-8 career ERA, you know, over parts of five years. Like, until he goes to Tampa and they work their magic. Like, that's kind of the pitcher he is. Pretty replaceable by by every definition. That's true. Um, let's let's move on to a topic. So, we, as discussed, as I'm sure the loyal listeners of Turn the Corner and loyal readers of you noticed you covered the Rangers for uh, the entirety of the playoffs. And I remember talking to you being like, so, you know, like, you know, this might be just like a little, little fall Florida vacation for you, you know, and then it turned into a whole month. Uh, Nobody wants to hear about this, I'm sure, but I, I, and I'll say it for Cody so he doesn't come across as any sort of way, but homeboy was basically not home for a whole month. So that's his dedication to the craft. And I just want to give, him uh, some flowers for that but i it got me thinking it got me thinking the, so the every single time like a new ish team or a new type of team wins a championship there's a little bit of an overreaction be like this is the way this is the way now to uh to build to build a championship team and i'm saying this knowing that this is kind of overreacting but i think it could bring some fun conversation so i just jotted down a couple things that you know, the Tigers could already have or should not do. Number one, find the third young brother. I don't know <laughs> if he exists, but the Tigers already got one. If you got two, I think that'd be great. Uh, the Josh has really come on. He was a guy that Rangers fans, he tested their patience a little bit. Just like I think people were kind of, I don't want to say they were off on Jace. But it wasn't really at the front. We were guilty of it too. We weren't talking about yeah. him as much. Got off to a little bit of a slow start last year, and then killer and second half. Kind of, kind of wrote him off from uh, from our minds. But he had himself yeah. a nice, uh, he had himself a, a nice fall, a nice end to the season, and he's a guy that I I think figures into uh, it, it, it well into the future plans. And again. He's doing the young thing. He's going to third base, right? So that's going to be a very interesting, uh, interesting thing to follow. So I, I think there's a, there's something to the bloodline. It, it, it the best time in history to be a, a member of the young family. One guy wins a World Series. The other one's on the precipice of making the major league. So uh, get another young brother. I think would be good. And a serious one. I think trust your scouts. Trust your scouts, because what was the sensation of uh, of the playoffs? It was Evan Carter, right? And that was a guy that I'm not a draft nick or Evan anything Carter. like that when it comes when it comes to baseball, but he was not on anybody's radar. Uh, second round pick, and I, I think I saw he wasn't even on like an MLB.com like top 200 prospects or no, you know not so at all. some yeah. some equivalent of that. And you wrote about him uh, over the course of the postseason. As it turned out, maybe a little premature because you did it in the moment. And he had more moments after that, uh, but that's that's how it works sometimes. But trust your scouts, trust your instincts when it comes to uh, to evaluating players because part of the Rangers' ascension was the big contracts, but another part of the ascension is just good old fashioned scouting. Uh, and 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 the big contracts kind of overlooked that a little bit just in the public mind, but that was that was a big part of it. Another one that the Tigers are already doing. Managers and coaches matter. They went and got Bruce Bauchi, took him out of retirement, uh, and 
I don't think anyone would confuse him with Cash over there in uh, in Tampa Bay. Uh, he's uh, he he he's a I don't want to call him old school. That seems like an insult, but he's a he, he is a baseball man. A word that is sometimes an insult, but he is a baseball man if there ever was one. And I and I, you we're obviously have to get Ron him. Washington just got hired yeah. as a manager again. We are back we're, in the era of we, the manager suddenly after being pulled for the past decade. It didn't matter. Yep. Wait, we're back. Manager is, Craig Council just got paid more than half this year's free agent hitters. Are, the manager is back. Yeah, and I, I guarantee you, Bruce got got the bag too when they had to pull yes. him out of retirement. Oh, you yeah. know, and and they had Matt, they had Maddox as the pitching coach. Like like managers and, and coaches matter. I think that's another uh, lesson there. One that, if you take it too seriously can lead you down a bad path but i think this is noteworthy i think it is amazing for major league baseball that the, i don't know if they ever admit this but that the rangers won the world series because there's two things that they want like other teams to do because it increased interest in the sport one they signed you know big guys in free agency so the grom seager Simeon, uh made the scherzer trade uh they want teams to go for it more and and they did it and they got rewarded with the world series and two, they made other moves, like the Montgomery trade, an effort just to get in the tournament. And with the expanded playoffs, what baseball wants is more teams, and with the lottery, is like more teams to go for it more often, to just get in the tournament. And they backed into the tournament, I think is a, a good way of putting it, and somewhat controversially with celebrating just reaching the playoffs. I thought that was dumb at the time. I still think it's dumb. Uh, but they Dumbest get, thing ever heard. Although... Yeah. Uh, but they, you know, they ended up getting the last laugh. So, uh, and I say it was dumb. The criticism of it was dumb. I didn't, I didn't really, I didn't really realize, uh, get why people were that upset about it. But anyway, um, just get into the tournament. This was a team that a lot of people, even the most loyal Ranger fans would have, uh, said maybe it's a two game series over there in Tampa the other way. And so, uh, and so, and then to take on the Orioles and everybody knows the run. So the fact that they just kind of got in the tournament and got hot, didn't lose a road game all year, or all postseason, I should say, is a, is another lesson. Sometimes, and this might be the case for the Tigers this year, sometimes if you can make like some moderate move that just gets you in the tournament, you never know what happens. So I think that's one of the lessons. Uh, and lastly, Cody, and then you can respond to all of these uh, at, at your will, watching this postseason run made me the most comfortable I've been in my life with the notion of trading Terry school. I'm not saying I want to trade him. I'm not saying I'm looking to Whoa. trade him. Whoa. But this is a this is a hitter's game now. And 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 Texas was raking the entire time and they were able to figure out the pitching staff. They were able to figure it out. They weren't gonna be able to figure out having, you know, savages at the plate to quote uh aaron boone but they were able to figure out the pitching staff just enough and if you look at the landscape of the tigers like the only player or one of the few that could land you some sort of return that would put you in that conversation it's scooble i'm not looking to do it but i'm as i'm more open than i've ever been uh because of hmm. of, of seeing how the rangers went about it now, obviously, the Tigers, there's 
there's a good timing for the Rangers where they were able to sign the free agents when they had that massive free agent class to the Tigers. Uh, you probably say we're over two uh, on that. Well, over three if you count Tucker uh, in that era. But they were able to nail the free agency uh, decisions and uh, fill it in the uh, fill it in the rest. So I I commend the Rangers for the way they built uh, built their team over the past couple years, and I think there's some lessons there. But am I overreacting? I have a lot of takeaways from the postseason. I'm going to start lighthearted. Number one, these champagne celebrations, man. Most successful, wasteful things I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> um, and I, you see them on TV and you're like, oh, this looks awesome. You know, it was been like, oh, it'd be really cool to like kind of be there, witness that. Number one, I saw four of them, and I guess the Rangers did six of them in total. I had no problem with their celebration, you know, that caused a stir with the Astros and all that. That's fine, whatever. I think we should reevaluate this, and I think you should celebrate when you clinch the postseason and if you if you win the World Series. Maybe if you win the pennant, whatever. But, I mean, they're just carts and carts of champagne and Budweiser. And these guys don't really drink it, man. It all just ends up on the floor. I saw Max Scherzer grab three bottles of Budweiser, unscrew them, pour them all on Nathan Eovaldi's head at the same time. And I'm like, that's like, you know, that's like six, eight bucks right there. We're just pouring, pouring I know we're talking about millionaires, but we're just pouring that's like $40 total. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. And by the end, I interviewed Max Scherzer standing in a puddle of champagne, like a literal puddle. All right. Max was only wearing socks. And I was like, you, you are a crazy man. And I was like, these shoes I'm wearing might be like, I might just have to throw them away. Um, so like cool, fun, but like jokingly, it is a crazy just waste of all this booze. It's like, come on guys, what are we doing? Um, on more serious matters. Oof, okay. I always, I was never a fan of the Rangers roster building approach. I was like, all right, you signed all these dudes. You're building it on a foundation of sand. Like, what are we doing here? Here's where I was wrong. Rangers had a foundation. It's not a lot of people knew about it. Not many people knew who, how good Jonah Heim was, an all-star catcher. In 2021, Adolis Garcia was getting compared to Akil Badu, and like they're, they're like two of the better rookies, like similar kind of, um, in addition to like similar builds, similar player profiles. Adolis Garcia is now a bona fide star, and we're talking about whether Akil Badu even has a future in the organization. Leody Tavares. I'd, I'd, I'd venture to guess most Tigers fans don't even know who that is. He's worth 2.3 war. He was more than three times more valuable than Tiger of the Year, Spencer Torkelson. Nathaniel Lowe, a uh, better offensive season than even Spencer Torkelson. I like up and down the roster, they had some lover. dudes that, yeah, that were found in, through various methods. Rule 5 draft, Jonah Heim trade, you know, Josh Young, obviously Leo D. Tavares, homegrown guys. And they talked a lot about the character aspect. Like, again, the Tigers that offseason, Austin Meadows, Tucker Barnard, Javi Baez, Eduardo Rodriguez, you were 0 for 4. And in terms of I – don't, I don't know, like, it's a character flaw in any of those guys, but in terms of, like, how many of those guys are we leaving with really positive impressions of them as people? Yeah, but probably we're out on at least three of those guys right now. Um, and the Rangers seem to have got the culture thing, nailed it down. Obviously, Bruce Bochy became a huge part of that. 
really put like, is the new market in efficiency just going out and trying to win? Because that's what they did. And they went from losing 100 plus games to going to the World Series in two years. The team they played in the World Series lost 110 games two years ago. Did it in a completely, completely different way. And a lot of people are drawing comparisons between the Tigers and Diamondbacks. And I actually don't like that either because I think that's like not acknowledging how good Diamondbacks actually are, despite the fact they won 84 games. Like Cattell Marte is one of the most underrated players in baseball. The Tigers don't have a Cattell Marte. Like the D-backs, really, really good. Even Corbin Carroll, like Riley Green's a great player. If he can't stay healthy, Tigers don't have a Corbin Carroll. Christian Walker is best case Spencer Torkelson right now. Like Gabby Marino, no offense Jake Rogers, Gabby Marino is a better player than, than Jake Rogers will be. Zach Gowan, they have a, a bona fide Cy Young candidate. Tigers are hoping Derek Skubal becomes that. Um, the D-backs had a lot that the Tigers don't necessarily have. And even though they did it, ultimately got to the World Series in a little bit more of a thrifty fashion, way different than the Rangers. Um, if I take anything away from the Diamondbacks, it's what you said. I think there's benefit in just trying to get in the playoffs. I think the D-backs present a case like, oh, maybe the Tigers, again, should you be a little more aggressive this offseason than maybe they're planning to be? I think especially pitching-wise. We all know the free agent market for hitters sucks. Mark Canna, honestly, probably that alone, a better hitter acquisition than I would have expected. Now, I'm starting to be convinced on this DH thing, but again, I don't think it's going to happen. How about pitchers? How about instead of going out and getting Kyle Gibson and, you know, Jack Flaherty, like, what if you just make a move? What if you pay up Sonny Gray? What if you pay Jordan Montgomery, who's very comparable to Eduardo Rodriguez uh, in a, a lot of numbers wise, like, what if you target one of these hiring guys? What if you, you, you know, you pair that guy with Scooble and then you hit on your, your lower end bounce back, your Michael Lorenzen type? Because in this division, which we all know is bad, what if you win 84, 86 games and you got a really good pitching staff and then maybe you can make a little noise? I think that's doable without sacrificing their future. If there's one thing I take away from the D-backs, so maybe the Tigers should just try a little bit this year instead of thinking more 25, 26, whatever it may be. So a thousand more lessons we can learn from both of these teams. They did it in two different ways, but really good turnarounds that I think are reminders that this doesn't have to take a million years to become a winner. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Arizona because uh, that shouldn't go unmentioned too. Uh how about uh, you, you get a? And I think they're another chemistry team as well. By the way, that uh, you oh, know, is huge. In favor. I spent of, some like, time around the D backs this year, like infectious chemistry. Yeah, and so that kind of stuff matters. And I, and I think I don't have to say it out loud, but I think that will just kind of naturally improve the Tigers this year as they become more. We always kind of looked at them as like a young team, you know, because they were in a lot of ways, but. The absence of Miguel Cabrera makes it to where it's a hundred percent true. Whereas with Miguel Cabrera being in the lineup, that kind of overshadowed like the young guys kind of trying to come up and that scrappiness and, and and all that stuff. So I think that will be that will be a part of the Tigers' image moving forward, where it wasn't necessarily uh, there this year. Uh, real quick, Cody, we can't not mention this. The Tigers did make a big big move this week. Jason Benetti is coming on 
to be the TV play-by-play guy coming from the White Sox. And if you watch college football, college basketball, you've definitely heard his voice uh, numerous times, including this weekend. Uh, this is a great hire. I, I, like this is this is this is a hire of an organization that wants to be taken more seriously. And I, everything I'm saying is not necessarily an indictment of Shep. I, I want to make that clear. But they could have gone and hired, there's a million young up-and-coming broadcasters, you know, in the state of Michigan and elsewhere that they could have gone and got and gotten. They had to negotiate this in a couple ways, including getting the White Sox permission and then having to do it to where, uh, you know, he can still do his, you know, his profile of being a Fox national uh, broadcaster. They were cool with that, obviously. I think 127 is the minimum that he'll uh, he'll call uh, for Valley. Mm-hmm. He's a Tigers employee, which is a different kind of little thing nugget that was kind of put in there. Uh, this, to me, seemed a little bit of an investment in the organization. And I think this is, like I said, I think this is a move to make the franchise appear more serious uh, national profile-wise because they didn't have to do this. Uh, they didn't have to go through all this effort, and I'm sure, you know, comp- compensation-wise, Jason made out pretty well on this. Uh, but to pry a guy from his hometown team that's a national voice, uh, this is not nothing. This is th- this makes me think that they're, they're going to be looked at as a, a want to be looked at as a more serious franchise moving forward. Yeah, it's funny how maybe the first big move in that regard is not a player. It's not on the field. It's your broadcaster. Like, I think that's kind of cool. And I think, a lot, yeah, a lot of credit to Ryan Gustafson and Ron Colangelo and Ben Fiddleman and whoever else behind the scenes worked to make this happen. Talk about setting your sights high. I don't, like, I can't believe they pulled it off. I know there was, you know, I wrote about it a little bit. I know there's drama with the White Sox. And um, still, like, just to have the gall to call and say, can we interview Jason Benetti? Like, that's, you know, that's, uh, that's, that's pretty ballsy. And I love that the Tigers, that's the type of stuff that, we're not really used to the Tigers doing, and they went out and did. They went out and did that, man. I think it's really cool. I think Benetti's really good. Always enjoyed his calls in in every sport. Uh, I kind of heard some people like, "Oh, he's better in football and basketball." I've listened to Benetti on baseball, man. I think he's really good. I think he's uh, a, a much more has a much more modern view on the game than uh, Shep, and even you know, kind of the current TV booth at large, which I think will. I think it'll be great for the hardcore fan. I also think he's going to help the more casual fan understand maybe why the Tigers are doing certain things, why they're pinch hitting in the fourth and fifth inning or why their roster is constructed the way it is. Uh, even like helping people understand advanced stats. I think Benet is going to be great for that. He's also funny. Um, and his introductory zoom call with the media was just amazing, man. This guy talked for 40 minutes, just as captivated. He got emotional uh, he came across as funny. He came across as intelligent. Like I've been around him a little bit before, but really having like a, a captive audience with him was amazing. Made me excited to listen to this guy on the call. Um, I like, am I going to mute the TV broadcast now? I don't know. Luckily we'll have Dan who has agreed to slide over Dan Dickerson to the TV booth on games. Benetti is not playing, um, which is a cool addition. Still waiting on official word for, who both Benetti and Dan Dickerson will be paired with. Um, I'm hearing there's still going to be a heavy Craig Monroe presence. And uh, I, th- I think we may see maybe even a new face or two in the TV booth. I'll be interested to see what that ultimate announcement ends up looking like. But 
yeah, like A plus, man. A plus. It's another it's another example of like again, we talked about the Erod thing, Avila to Harris, and then we talk about Cabrera no longer being that presence on the team. This is another way of just kind of making a new era for the team. You know, and, and, and that that will include what I'm sure will be a, a ring of of new color commentators uh, as well. Because, you know, like, R.I.P. Jim Price, like, that, that that's that's a whole yeah. other era that he's not going to be, you know, down in Lakeland and, and calling games with Dan. I mean, uh, like, talk about filling the void. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, it, this, this is a... Dare I say, like a makeup, a whole new makeup of the organization in so many ways that I didn't necessarily uh, expect to feel this way. And with that, we will go ahead and wrap up this podcast, our first podcast of the off season. I want to thank Cody for taking the time. You can follow him on X, formerly known as Twitter, at Cody Stavenhagen. I am at Kieran underscore Steckley. Pod page at Turn Corner Pod. We're still got some things in the works that we'll be excited to share with y'all as uh as time moves on but in the meantime i want to thank everybody for listening for all the kind comments saying hey where's the pod at we appreciate that it makes us feel like uh makes us feel a little special and who doesn't want to feel special so i want to thank you guys for following on spotify and apple five star review if you feel so inclined and our youtube page at turning the corner podcast so for cody Stavenhagen. I am Karen Steckley. Everybody have a great week.